0: Peace, peace, everybody. Welcome to the Vital Hoops podcast. Happy New Year. This one is the first of 2023. My name is Fernando Cardenas, aka International XB, and I'm your host. Extremely happy to be here. We got a lot coming this year. Our website is going to soon drop, so stay tuned for that in order to start the year off strong. Now, you know Vital Hoops is for the culture. So when we talk about the culture, in my opinion, we must always have a focus on anti-colonialism and anti-oppression. Today, we have a special guest. Today's guest is a historian. He is a consultant. He is the president of the Pan-African League, Umoja, and he is a writer. He has written a couple of very interesting books, including Africa Unite which I am reading right now. It is a history of Pan-Africanism. Let's welcome to the show, Hamzat Bukhari-Yabara. Hamzat, jumbo, and welcome to the Battle Hoops podcast. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, jumbo, jumbo, Fernando. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm good, I'm really good. Yes. Uh, I think yeah, I spent uh, a good uh, 2022 year. And okay. I think that New Year is gonna be great. That's great, man. It's
0: great to have you. Listen, I know you have a lot going on, but I appreciate you taking the time, you know, to come to the to the Vital Hoops podcast and um and share with us, you know, get into this pan-Africanist perspective, which is so important, you know. Um, so listen, let let's get into it. Uh I would love for you to, you know, you're a historian, you're an you're an organizer, you're a writer. Um, but I would love for you to, to to tell the listeners how you personally began. How did you get into Pan-Africanism? How did you become a Pan-Africanist? Did you, did you grow up in a Pan-Africanist household or was it more of self-education and how did you get to that point?
1: Yeah, indeed my father is from Benin, West Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a very strong country. In the colonial history, because we had a strong resistance to French colonialism
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we have a nationalist feeling in our country in Benin, Daoumi. And my mother is from Martinique. And as you know, Martinique is a country of Frantz Fanon, is a country of Aimé Césaire,
2: yeah.
1: and is a country of um, African diaspora resistance. And so from the beginning with my father and my mother, I am part of the Pan-African history. That is a connection between uh, the continent and the diaspora. Mm -hmm. Um, My father and my mother were not specially uh, activists, but they were quite uh, conscious about uh, their history. And they knew that it was important to to give to their children uh, a sense of pride, a sense of belonging, to uh, Mother Africa. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Benin. This is really important in my my life, to be born in Africa is something quite good. I was raised and I grew in Benin, in Cotonou. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to to France uh, later. And then in France, I started to listen to hip hop music. So part of my conscientization is for hip hop music. Uh, wow. Public Enemy, KRS-One, and other uh, MCs okay. who used to uh, include uh, African and Black uh, history uh, in their lyrics. Yes. So uh, Tupac shaku and so on, all those people uh, they were part of my training.
2: Hmm.
1: And when I was um, a teenager, uh, I used to read uh, Malcolm X and other uh, political activists from the Black diaspora. And also I... Um, I learned from Kwame Nkrumah visiting Ghana when I was 16 years old. And all this um, uh, youth uh, was part of uh, what I decided to do later, that is to say, to to become a historian,
2: uh,
1: to um, trace the starting of our struggles and -hmm. to understand why we are in such a mess today. What is um, uh, the explanation of our situation uh, as an African continent, as a black community, and uh, as a global South people, and this is uh, how I decide to to connect later my uh, uh, my uh, my education as a historian, as an intellectual, uh, with a political organization, um, mm-hmm. the Pan African League Comba, mm-hmm. uh, realizing that you cannot be. An intellectual without contributing to uh, the transformation of the society, without giving your part to um, the the awakening of our community. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is how I develop uh, since uh, 15, 15, 20 years, um, Pan-African vision, uh, Pan-African analysis of Mm -hmm. my own life, of my... um, contribution to uh to uh, to the historical domain and also to the transformation of um, the world today through pan-Africanism.
2: Yeah,
0: no doubt, man. No doubt. That's that's really interesting. It's a very interesting story. And um I realized that, you know, yesterday as I was doing my research a little bit, I realized that we're we're close, we're real close actually in age. You know, I was born in 85. And so I did have many influences j- just like you, you know. Bottle Hoops is a hip hop podcast as well, you know, and you know, my influences were also, you know, KRS1 and you know, um, Public Enemy and you know, even X Clan before that. And then, you know, coming into Dead prez a lot of, you know, um pro-black, uh, pro-African liberation, you know, conscious hip hop, which is what, you know, what the culture is about at its at its core. But it definitely shaped me as well. And that is personally, that is what got me and and I then, you know. Got to learning about Pan Africanism really and got, became one myself. But listen, yeah, go, ahead,
1: go yeah, ahead. What you need to know is that you cannot learn Pan Africanism at school. Uh, yeah. It is not tough at school or mm-hmm. in any university.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's always self educating, it's always by yourself uh, that you get this consciousness. Mm-hmm. And this is something really important because we are on the margins of the intellectual world but we also are also our own uh, grassroots intellectuals. So the notion of being part of a, a grassroots community, grassroots mm-hmm. organizing uh, is really important when we, when we speak of our training uh, yes. as political activists, as an intellectual, uh, especially in the case of Pan-Africanism. Absolutely,
0: I understand that, you know, and I agree with this. I know many organizers, you know, they, they stress mm-hmm. that you cannot call yourself a Pan-Africanist Unless you are part of a grassroots organization and you know being really dealing with the struggle from a hands-on perspective, but um, so I wanted to ask you this, just for the listeners, for those who may not know, can you please um just define Pan Africanism as a whole? What what is Pan Africanism?
1: Yeah, Pan Africanism is a global movement of liberation, uh, of resistance and of uh, unification of African people uh, abroad and in the continent. It is starting with uh, the transatlantic slave trade, with the birth of an African diaspora in the Americas uh, that fought for their, for their freedom and understand uh, that their um, freedom could not be uh, true until the African continent would be free again. So, the connection between African diaspora and African continent is really central. And it is also part of um, the revalorization of our uh, humanities, of our identities, and also the notion of the unity uh, through the diversities of African identities. So, Pan Africanism is this global uh, movement of liberation. And then Uh, In the 20th century, it became a tool for the anti-colonial movement. That is to say that you cannot be free unless uh, you are united. You need to build unity to get freedom. And this is really important because pan-Africanism is uh, fighting against uh, colonialism and neocolonialism. That is based on the idea that you must divide to rule over African people. You must divide them. So the issue of division, the issue of balkanization of African continent, uh, the issue of um, uh, putting Black against Black uh, is really central in how we had to uh, define pan-Africanism as a self-liberation movement and also as a global and geopolitical um, doctrine that put Africa at the center of our own destiny. So the idea of pan-Africanism is also African solution to African problems? How do we get with our own issues without being the puppets of the Western or the Chinese or the Russian and so on? So this is all about uh, this uh, global liberation of Africa and uh, black people out of Africa. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And um, you know, it's funny you
0: talk about, you know, the division of, of African people, or black people, you know, and I don't know if you know, but I see a lot of new movements coming now out of the United States, for example, where they're calling themselves, you know, foundational blacks. I don't know if you heard about these things like FBA and these kind of little movements where they want to divide themselves from other African people and say, you know, just we uh, black Americans and all these things, you know, these divisive movements, which are, you know, which are the focus. This is what the enemy wants, really. This is what what it's about, you know, against pan-Africanism and divide in African people.
1: Yeah, Uh, absolutely. But it is about how we were um, indoctrinated inside the imperialist system mm -hmm. because there are many black people in the Americas that are part of the world imperialist US system. They are contributing to uh, to war on Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have no empathy with African people and they are uh, absolutely American Uh, from uh, the toe to the head. So Mm -hmm. this is really important that we understand that it is not only being black, it Mm -hmm. is about uh, black consciousness. And this is why the issue of the South African struggle against apartheid is really important. When we speak of Steve Biko, for example, how do we build a black consciousness? uh, Regardless, you are uh, black, white or light skin and so on. It is really important because you have many people who are black but were are not engaged yeah. in Pan-Africanism or in the African Liberation Movement. They are part of the neo-colonial movement. So it is really important in the case of the US to uh, understand that it, that it is not because you're black that you're part of the movement. We have to be engaged. And we have a story of black traitors, a long Absolutely. story of black traitors uh, that we need also to, to engage with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course. Um a lot of times they use our own people
0: in order to assassinate us. There's always been black traders, you know, um, ever since slavery to, you know, to to come into, into our movements and just destroy them. That's, that's obvious, it's like everywhere, but definitely I see, I see where you're coming from. And um, I wanted to ask you because a lot of, I hear that, you know, a lot of people talk about within, the, within Pan-Africanism, there are kind of like two schools, right? Two different paths. Well, there, you know, there are a few, but, you know, uh, a cultural Afrocentric Pan-Africanist versus the more um, revolutionary socialist Pan-Africanist. Um, I usually say that, you know, really there isn't one without the other, but, you know, what, what do you think about that and how do you think, where do they join and how can we, how can we work through that together and, in order to build
1: yeah, I, I think the um, cultural pan-Africanism is um, about um, the self-identity, mm-hmm. uh, the need to uh, get um, a self-consciousness of who we are and what we can achieve in this world. Uh, I think that this kind of nationalism uh, could be reactionary uh, because because it is only based on um, the appearance, it is not based on the transformation of the the economic system. Um, It is also about the issue between race and class. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you consider that race comes before class or the other one? And uh, the Marxists also tried to um, hijack Pan-Africanism because they understood that black people wherever they are at the lower side of the society. And they should be engaged in leftist movement, in communism and so on. But communism and Pan-Africanism are not the same thing because we know that it is not because we are part of uh, the lower classes of the society uh, that we need to put class before race because we know that our social position is also the result of racism. Absolutely. And the issue of racism is at the yeah. basis of the white supremacy. So we need to connect race and class to struggle against uh, domination. And I think that the division between uh, the nationalist cultural uh, Pan-Africanism and the Marxist revolutionary Pan-Africanism uh, need to be uh, overcome to get uh, true uh, Pan-African liberation movement that is based on uh, the cultural liberation, but not in a capitalist way, because some part of the Afrocentricity city way is also part of the neoliberal conception of Black identity.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: on the other side, uh, the issue of revolutionary Pan-Africanism is about destroying uh, the capitalist state and understand that we need to move back to uh, another vision of society, another vision of relation between uh, men and women, between a generation, between men and nature, and so on. So this issue was really um, hard in the 70s.
2: Uh,
1: It led to many, many uh, internal fightings. And today we have uh, another situation because uh, the issue of Marxism, uh, as lost for many people, and uh, the issue of Afrocentricity, the issue of cultural nationalism, mm-hmm. uh, developed in what we call today chauvinism. That is yeah. to say, we need to go back to the traditional roots and be very traditionalist.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: this traditionalism is not always adapted to uh, the political struggles that we need to uh, to engage with. So. We need to find uh, a synthesis between all those positions, and uh, in the same time, the footfall of Pan Africanism is the combination of all those positions. Some of them are quite radical, other are more consensual. But we need to to find the good um, the good recipe, yeah. uh, the good ingredients to um, to uh, to address all the different issues. Because one difficulty is that uh, the global African family is living different conditions wherever they are or uh, whatever their situation is. It is not the same if you're living in the US as a black people, Mm -hmm. as when you're living in Cuba or in Venezuela or in South Africa or in Mali or Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. So all those situations are different. So everyone has a different point of view of the situation. And this is why we need to reorganize uh, our movement for uh, organizations, political organizations, but also uh, Pan-African Congress,
2: mm-hmm. where
1: we can uh, sit and see what is the situation of black people in Brazil, in Cuba, in the US, in Canada, and so on, and what is the, the, the most little uh, tool that we can use for everybody uh, to get a new uh, a new starting today. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's 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 finding it's finding the right
0: balance and bringing everything together. It's you know it's it's a holistic approach. You know that that's what it is really. It's a holistic approach where we bring every um, different aspect and and come together. One more thing that I hear now also is um, I hear a certain group of the African or Black conscious community um, calling themselves. Not Pan Africanists, but African internationalists. Have you heard about this? They, they're yeah, calling themselves yeah. African internationalists, and they're even referring to Pan Africanism as as petty bourgeoisie and as a movement that's you know that's coming from from the top down instead of a, a grassroots. And
1: yes, from... this is a very challenging issue because Pan Africanism has a quite negative um, vision for many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they saw it as a reactionary movement, as mm-hmm. a petit bourgeois movement, mm-hmm. uh, as a dreamy or utopian movement, and so on. And um, and we need to 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 uh, to do also with lots of people that use uh, the word pan African for mm-hmm. anything. Today we have dictators in Africa that are using the term of pan African in mm-hmm. their own. Uh, in their own speech, and we have um, uh, the necessity to clarify the concept, and to clarify what is Pan-Africanism today. And this is uh, because we do not this clarification that other people decide to take other terms, like African internationalist. Mm-hmm. And the issue of African internationalism is uh, something quite interesting because in the in the interwar period, we were talking about um, black internationalism mm-hmm. and black internationalism is the same as pan-Africanism, because pan-Africanism is also internationalism.
2: Absolutely.
1: But the difficulty is that in the 60s with African independence, pan-Africanism uh, was... Um, taken back to the African continent, and it became a kind of continentalism. And the African diaspora was excluded from uh, the Pan-African movement due to the policy of the new African states that understood that Pan-Africanism was only for the continent, but Pan-Africanism was born in the African diaspora. So it is absolutely internationalist. It cannot be continentalist, it is internationalist. So we have to, to address all this vocabulary today, mm-hmm. uh, like those who call themselves uh, uh, African descent of, descendant of slavery, Edos, yeah, yeah. They yeah. Say that are not part of, of, of uh, people coming from Africa. Mm-hmm. They say that people coming from Africa are taking advantage over black people in the US. So they yeah. have to fight those people, etc., etc. So all this terminology is really sensitive And we need to um, to analyze it very carefully uh, because uh, it's something really, uh, really touchy. Absolutely. Um, There's one more one
0: more thing, you know, that, you know, people a lot of a lot of times ask me when I when I speak about Pan-Africanism, you know, which is. I believe I believe Pan-Africanism is really our only you know, road to to liberation. I believe that that's the only road to liberation. But you know, a lot of people ask me. You know, it sounds good in theory. You know, but it's impossible because you know we we we're not organized enough. We're not unified. We'll never we'll never understand each other enough to to get to the United States of Africa. And uh, you know, it's just it's just kind of you know a dream. I know that's I know that's something that's you know it's a word that's been going on for many years. A lot of people
1: think that way. You know. But what, what would you say to that when they tell me that? I, I, I think we have to tell them that we are on the road of in, of unification. Uh, we are on the road to unite. Uh, it is not a story of uh, overnight. It's not uh, today that we are going to get united all over in Africa.
2: Mm. And
1: it is not the, the, the goal. The goal is not to unite all African people. It is not a totalitarian vision. Mm. But it is the idea that we need to gain a certain amount of unity, so that we can better defend our interests as African people in Africa and out of Africa. So uh, we need to tell them that we are on the road of this unification. And uh, this is something that we are building every day. Uh, It is not something that has been done in the past. And so it is a very exciting challenge. And this is why some of our best ancestors uh, gave their life for. Mm -hmm. So it is uh, our duty to engage in Pan-Africanism, to engage in African unity, uh, because uh, we are uh, ourselves the result of this African unity. If we are here today, it is because our ancestors struggled, uh, because we could have been... um, how can I say, genocide? Yeah, we could have been exterminated. uh, We survived. Exactly. We Mm -hmm. survived to to slavery. We survived to colonialism and we are already uh, surviving to new colonialism. Mm -hmm. But uh, we cannot um, give to our children uh, only a future of survival. We need to give to our children, to the next generation, a future of hope, a future of um, uh, uh of uh, success of victories mm. and uh this is why we are fighting today i think it's uh what we can tell to those people who say that oh it's a dream you can never achieve it etc mm. we we have to to make our our contribution absolutely uh, like those before and uh the ones after who would make it mm-hmm. and uh and that's all
2: yeah
0: definitely definitely and you know it's a, it's an it's an active movement like you said, and it's always been going on, ever since you know ever since the first colonizers came to to the motherland and they started snatching our ancestors, the resistance always been there. So you know um, that's that's what it is. If you could give if you could give our listeners, I know there's many, but if you could give our listeners uh, three Pan-Africanist figures to study in order to really comprehend grasp the concept and you know, and become a Pan-Africanist, who would you choose?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the, the champion of Pan-Africanism is Kwame Nkrumah. Uh, he was the first leader of Ghana. He, he led Ghana to, to independence in 1957. Uh, he wrote, Africa Must Unite. And uh, he explained that Pan-Africanism is about uh, the unity of uh, African states regarding um, uh, defense, foreign affairs, and uh, also um, monetary zone and uh, Kwame Nkrumah understood that uh, a single country a single african country could not resist to the multinational could not resist to uh, the imperialist powers and that we need to to put uh, our strength together uh, to defend our continent to defend our resources our natural resources and he understood also the centrality of Congo uh, in the imperialist war in Africa. And this is why he gave support to, uh, to Patrice Lumumba. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, did not uh, work. Uh, he also gave support to Sekuture from Guinea when mm-hmm. Guinea decided to break with France. And Kwame Nkrumah was also engaged with the Afro American um, community yes. uh, because he spent time in the US. And he also gets visits from um, Martin Luther King at Ghana Independence in 1957, and above all, from Malcolm X in 1964. And uh, many Afro-Americans were based in Ghana. And uh, I think his policy regarding Pan-Africanism was uh, really interesting. Unfortunately, he was overthrown in 1966 by a military coup. And uh, I think he's uh, the most interesting uh, figure of Pan-Africanism because Mm -hmm. he made a synthesis between the two giants of Pan-Africanism, W.E.B. Du Bois from the US, intellectual, uh, Pan-African, and Marcus Garvey from Jamaica, who led the the Universal Negro Improvement Association. And Kuma was at the junction of those two giants. And he was also a political leader. So I think he's really the champion of Pan-Africanism. Mm. Uh, the second would be Amilcar Cabral from mm. uh, Guinea-Bissau and Cap Verde. Uh, because he, he was a poet, he was also a military leader. He led the armed liberation movement in Guinea-Bissau. And mm. he understood uh, that culture uh, was central in the African liberation. Uh, the, the liberation of African people is a cultural act, he would say. And he also understood that we need to build unity through the struggle. It is a mm. struggle of the people that unites the people. It is through struggling that you unite with your brothers and your sisters. When you're not struggling, you're mm. selfish. You're thinking to your own interest. But mm. when you have to struggle, you know that you cannot struggle alone. So mm. you build unity. And this is his vision, saying that in every African country, each one must, like Fanon would say, identify your, uh, your struggle mm. and um, devoted yourself to, to struggle for the freedom of your country. And this is a connection of all the internal struggle in each African country that would build African unity. So it was really practical. Uh, it was really concrete, and he used to say that people are not fighting for words like liberty, democracy, and so on. They are fighting for material uh, improvement. Okay. They are fighting for concrete things, and we need to uh, to, um, to explain to them that beyond the words like democracy, uh, freedom, and so on, you have um, material issues, concrete things, so that people. Can uh, give their life to uh, the struggle, mm-hmm. and Amilcar Cabral was also assassinated in 1973 mm-hmm. uh, by a Portuguese uh, uh, agent. And uh, I think he's probably one of the most interesting leader because he was also an internationalist. He was um, uh, he was a star at the 1966 uh, Havana Conference, the Tricontinental invited by Fidel Castro. Mm. And everyone was looking at Amitka Cabral. Even Che Guevara was Mm. under Amitka Cabral, because Amitka Cabral had the science of fighting, uh, had the science of the armed liberation movement. And he would say that when you are fighting with the people, you need to uh, organize your movement uh, on the same line as the social organization of the people. And it is also part of this grassroots Mm -hmm. Pan-Africanism. The last one would be Walter Rodney. Walter Rodney from Guyana.
2: Guyana.
1: British Guyana is the one uh, I did my PhD on. And he he wrote a seminal book. You wrote a book on him too, right? You wrote a book on on Walter uh, Rodney. I Mm -hmm. I wrote a book at Mm -hmm. Presence African Edition. Mm -hmm. And um, Walter Rodney in 1972, he wrote uh, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa.
2: Wow, that book. is probably
1: the most important book written in the 25th century by by, um, by a, a, a black historian. Hmm. And in this book, he explained um, how Africa lost uh, its sovereignty and what is the situation regarding neocolonialism. And his study is uh, in the line of the books of C.R. James Black Jacobins of... Um, Capitalism and Slavery's Eric Williams because he dealt with the issue of reparation for slavery and colonialism. He explained the consequences, the causes and consequences of capitalism in Africa. And he um, he, um, he also wrote a book about um, the Rastafarian movements yeah. uh, uh, with my brothers because he was uh, committed uh, to the African liberation with the Black Power and Wastafarian movement in Jamaica and in the US in the 60s, in the late 60s. And when he was killed in 1980, he was writing a book about the Guyanese working class people because, uh, alongside his um, intellectual um, work mm-hmm. um, that led him to live in Tanzania, uh, he was also politically engaged in um, multiracial and Marxist movement, the Working People Alliance in Guyana. Okay. And I think that Walter Rodney with Amit Cabral and Kwame Kuma are the three most important terrorists and activists of uh, Pan-Africanism in this 20th century that everyone must uh, learn of uh, right now to engage in the new battle of the 21st century.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. Okay. So I wanted to ask you about this because, you know, Obviously, there has been a lot of work done, you know, to, to, to divide us, you know, as African people, there's been a lot of work done um, in order to depoliticize, you know, our people. And I think I think that's, that's, that's uh, one of our main problem is that, you know, our people in general are lacking uh, political education. And I think uh, this is why a lot of time we're, we're reactionary. Like you said, you know, we're reactionary because we don't have, sometimes we don't have the basis. We don't truly know our history. It happens a lot with athletes. You know, uh, the youth looks up to, to, to athletes, you know, unfortunately, a little too much, you know, but the youth look up to athletes, the people look up to the athletes. How powerful would it be if, for example, NBA superstars would become Pan-Africanists, let's say, or how how could that work? And how powerful do you think that would be for, for our people?
1: Uh, I think we have lots of... Um... Sportsmen, sportswoman who had a political engagement. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most famous was Muhammad Ali, uh, case of of black struggle. Um, But you have many other ones. uh, uh, Black athletes had a strong visibility. When we speak of uh, LeBron James and other people like that, uh, Serena, Venus Williams, they had a strong visibility. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, they are part of the white uh, control uh, economic and media system. Mm-hmm. So when they are speaking about political issues, they are uh, on the target of the imperialist system and they need to to protect uh, their career. So it is not easy for them to, to take a position, but they can support, they can give money, they can raise funds, they mm-hmm. can... Uh, Uh, give um, uh, a visibility uh, to the struggle of the black community, of the black organization, but it is not really the case. Uh, Most of them are part of uh, controlled um, media and economic system. And it is a change because in the 60s, 70s, 80s, we had uh, a commitment of sports regarding um, political issue, especially black struggle. Uh, it is not the case today because our artists our athletes have been depoliticized mm. and uh, and sometimes when they think that they are political they are also used by the system uh, to be part of uh, our um, our control our inferiorization uh, I think we really need to get some um, black athletes politically uh, engaged politically committed uh, because they are their speech is also really important for the youth.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: they need to, um, to contribute to black economy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, to buy black because most of them, they have uh, lots of money. So it's really important for them to, to buy black when they can because they can buy black. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: they also can um, organize some some business uh, they can uh, hire in the community.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think they cannot give um, advices to uh, black voters. They are not really uh, at this level. Yeah. But uh, their position is really important. When, In the case of the U.S., when they are supporting the Democrats, the Republicans, etc., it means a lot.
2: Yeah. It
1: means a lot. And I think that sometimes it is better that they do not support either uh and they say they are political instead of supporting democrat or republican in the case of the so, us in the case of africa it is a little bit different because uh, in africa the uh the the, the sports that is king is football it's not basketball mm-hmm. and we have players like samuel Ito uh George Weah, one won the first, uh, he's the only African that wins the Golden Ball. is mm-hmm. now president of Liberia. But um, we, we, we saw at the last World Cup that he, he, he traveled to Qatar because his son was playing for the United States. Mm-hmm. So many people said, oh, he's the president of Liberia, but his own son is playing for the United States. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you have the issue of nationality. And nationalities, also sports nationalities, also political engagement. We have some African uh, basketball players that are now playing in the NBA's or part of the the US national team, and so on. But they are coming from Africa. So this is really important that um, we look at athletes like uh, models when they can be uh, some example for the youth. But in mm-hmm. the meantime, we know that the political scope is quite limited in this world. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately.
0: Um, yeah, when you speak about, you know, uh, playing for national teams also, that's a very interesting thing, you know, because that that is something that is that is complicated for certain athletes. Certain athletes have the choice, for example, of playing for a European team. Like we see it with uh, with Mbappé, for example, playing for France. And not playing for Cameroon or we, we see that a lot, but there are ma- many factors that come into that. You know, I was t- speaking to to my sister that I had on, on the show, Tuti Gandega from the from the Malian national team for basketball, you know, and she she was she explained to me that you know she would play for the French team if she could have had the opportunity. You know, she plays for Mali, but she was like, it would be an easy decision for me because I grew up in France and I played in the French team when I was in youth. And then, you know, growing up, that would be the next step. It's an easy decision from, you know,
2: mm, yeah. you know
0: all, all these things because there are many factors that come in also because also the, the athletics associations in Africa, many times they're controlled by the politicians and sometimes these politicians are puppets. They're not Pan-Africanists, you know, so, so, you know, it's, it's yeah. complicated.
1: Yeah, and in the meantime, you have to know, and I think you know that basketball, NBA, it's a showtime. And, of course, uh, it's a and politics is almost it, the same when exactly. you have some political meeting. It's like an NBA game, or you mm-hmm. have some uh, uh, NBA uh, basketball demonstration inside political meetings. So, of course, uh, the symbol of the national anthem, uh, all those things are very sensitive. And uh, the case of Kaepernick, for example, yeah, uh, yeah, it's not easy. But we need to to get a new. Activism mm-hmm. uh, in the black sports today. I think okay. it's really important. Without a doubt, without a doubt, I agree. Um, we're gonna close
0: out soon. Uh, just want to thank you again for your time, man. Um, talk to me a little bit about the the Pan African League Umoja. You know which which I'm a proud member of. You know, and you becoming the president. Please talk to me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, the, the league is uh, is a global international organization it was created in 2012 uh, almost uh, 10 years ago uh, in france at the beginning and it started to to spread in several african countries uh, like senegal like togo congo and uh, also in diaspora like canada Germany. and and um, it is a socio-political movement that tried to implement Pan-Africanism, a new vision of Pan-Africanism uh, that is based on the idea that we need to, um, to train politically speaking our youth uh, so that they can engage on the political level uh, for the, the victory of Pan-Africanism at the political level at the end of the states, at the control of communities and so on. So, we are a kind of um, working in progress organization. Uh, we are an anti-imperialist movement. That is to say that we are not uh, funded by uh, Western donators. We are trying to, to, to get our autonomy at every level of our organization. Uh, we have a newspaper, Pan-African magazine that is um, published uh, every three months. Uh, we also have a publishing house in Congo, and uh, the goal of our organization is to build African and Pan-African consciousness in the diaspora, and to build some political organization in Africa. Uh, that is to say that we need to work on a generation for five, ten years, and this generation later would be. Um, would get enough knowledge of Pan-Africanism so that when it when it gets in position, in political position, they could implement our vision. Absolutely. So uh, we also are trying to develop a um, diplomatic uh, network uh, with countries in South America or the countries in Africa because we think that uh, the internationalist side is really important for uh, Pan-Africanism today. So this is... Um, global uh, international organization i'm the president of the global organization but in each section uh, you have an office and uh, in each section the the organization the activities are uh, self-controlled by the people so we are um, how can i say a grassroots uh, organizing movement in the section but at the global level we are quite a top-down organization so we are trying to uh, to build a synthesis of all the Pan-African uh, experiences uh, to find uh, the good one that we could later implement uh, at the level of the African states. That mm-hmm. is to say that in the Pan-African uh, League Moja, Moja is the word that means, uh, means unity in Swahili, you can find some people, for example, from Rwanda and Congo inside the organization. Uh, And it is really important because Rwanda organization and Congo organization Mm -hmm. are at war one against another. But when you have people from the two countries inside the same organization, Mm -hmm. you can find a better solution instead of fighting each other uh, Mm -hmm. at the sea of the imperialist powers that are working on dividing African people. So the notion of unity is really important for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is um, what I'm trying to uh, to, uh, to expand uh, since definitely. I'm the president of this organization.
0: Definitely, definitely. We're going to have, you know, and I spoke on this on my last, uh, on my previous podcast, you know, um, about, you know, the magazine, the Pan-African, you know, that people can, you know, support and check it out. But I'm going to have all the information uh, down in the description for people to click the link and go check it out and check out the website as well and see um, a little bit of what we're working on, definitely. But to get back to what you were saying, you know, when you spoke about this earlier, um, you know, the different struggles that our brothers and sisters are living, you know, in different countries, you know, I think, you know, I love this. I don't know if you if you remember this, uh, Malcolm X, when he was speaking about how uh, there needs to be grassroots organization in every country. And so the Afro Cubans have to organized between themselves and the Afro Brazilians and the African Americans and the brothers in Senegal. And the, and then we need to link, we need to link these organizations together. We need to connect, you know, have the, have the Afro Cubans speaking to the Afro Venezuelans, to the Haitians, to the, to everybody, you know, and that's, that's really what it's about, you know, so, so I appreciate the work, man. And, uh, and, and I thank you, man. You know, I just want to, before, before we go, there are two things that we like to do here on, on the Bada Hoops podcast. You know, the first one is, I think, unfortunately, in our society today, we a lot of people get their information from, you know, quick little things, like they go on Instagram and they see a two-minute clip. Now they think they, you know, they think they know something. they got the information or they'll read a tweet or something like that. And we're not necessarily getting into, you know, uh, books, which is, I think, is something very important that we need to get back into is books, you know. Um, so we like to do this recommendation thing. So if you could recommend to the listeners, uh, one book or a couple of books that you think are, are
1: important? Yeah, w- one book is um, Carter Godwin Woodson's Miseducation of the Negro. Uh, it was written several decades ago, but it is still relevant mm-hmm. uh, because it explains how, um, how the indoctrination is done, how the propaganda is built over uh, our vision of the world as black people, and how the mental control uh, is um, is, uh, is ruling uh, over uh, our daily life as black people uh, in the Western world. So the miseducation of the Negro is really relevant mm-hmm. uh, to understand uh, how we are at the center of uh, psychological warfare. Um, I think that uh, the speeches of uh, Thomas Sankara are really important. Uh, I did not mention it when you asked me three figures, but yeah. I think that Sankara is really important because uh, uh, he had a lot of punchlines, like we would say today, and mm. uh, his speeches are really inspiring. And uh, I think it's uh, a good reading for many people desperate about the situation. Mm-hmm. And the uh, third one is not especially a book, but I think that the songs of Miriam Makiba are really important for everyone who wants to uh, to feel Pan-Africanism, to hear Pan-Africanism, and to dance on Pan-African music. So the songs of Miriam Makiba are really important. Mm-hmm. She was Mother Africa. Mm-hmm. She was engaged for the liberation of uh, the African continent. And I think that we had to um, to recognize that uh, uh, she led a very very inspiring life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, yeah, I think that's the free recommendation I would do to our listeners. That's great,
0: that's great. Thank you for that. And I'm gonna, you know, uh, on my previous podcast, I also just recommended um, Neocolonialism colonialism from Kwame Nkrumah, which is important because you spoke about, you know, uh, spoke about Kwame Nkrumah being probably. The main, most important figure in Pan Africanism. So, to the listeners, make sure you, you check that out as well. But what I want to recommend today is this right here. You know, uh, for those of you listening, I'm just showing the the Africa Unite. It's a book by by my brother over here, Amzad Bukhari Yabara, and you know, um, it's it's a a history of Pan Africanism. Great book. You know, it gets into some detail about you know. A perspective of you know Pan Africanism history because there are many histories of Pan Africanism, but this one is a great one. So definitely please check it out. Uh, make sure you buy your books if you can from from local Black owned stores. You know it's important. You know try to stay away from from Amazon and all these things. And uh and yes yeah, support man get yourself a get yourself a library start building a library it's important that in your home we all should have our own little libraries. So yeah, so that's that man. Thank you Amzad. Uh, listen, before you go, you can please tell the tell the listeners where they can find you, you know, your website, your your information so they can follow you, follow your work and uh, I'll have all the information down in the description, but if you want to have the last words, you know, anything you want to tell the listeners
1: Yeah, you can follow my agenda on my website. It's only my uh, my name com. Uh, You also have the website of uh, uh, lpomoja.com. And um, we're also on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, and I think that um, it's really important that we had this discussion uh, because my book is in French. And one great issue is how do we connect over the language barriers? It's really important that we do not stay in our own uh, linguistic zone, colonial yeah. linguistic zone, and that yeah. we build connections uh, with the so-called English speaking and also the Spanish ones. That is really important in our struggle today. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate uh, your invitation and I thank you very much and uh, um, and umoja um, to your listeners.
0: Thank you, my brother, comrade. Thank you. And uh, yeah, please Thank you. All right, that was episode number 22 of the Vada Hoops podcast. We thank our guest, Amzat. Please, everybody, check out the websites down in the description. Um, go check out the, the Pan-African League of Mojas website. Uh, purchase an online magazine. You know, support the movement. Uh, no matter where you're at in the world, you can always try to link up with a Pan-Africanist organization. And do good, do do good for yourself, your family, your community, and your people. You know what I mean? So uh, please make sure you like, share, subscribe, and spread the word. Bada hoops is for the culture.
2: We out. Peace.